that the way that you run your families is going to be different for all of us, and the way that we share Jesus is going to be different for all of us. Um, but this is someone who has parented their family and has conducted themselves as an employee and represented the church and done all those things immensely well. And, um, and yes, we all do things differently, a lot differently if you're our family, but, um, but Jesus wants to bring a word about how to represent the church today through my dad's eyes. And it's going to be, um, simple and creative and, um, and he has the heart of Father for, um, for the community and for the people that we're with. So, um, here you go, Dad. Am I on? Whoa. I'm really on. Should I keep talking? Hello, hello, hello. Is this good? Is that good? Um, could we stand real uh, quick? I just want to uh, pray again for Natasha, the Cunninghams, and Neil. Um, I talked to Todd a little bit before, and they're in some decision-making time. And it's no decisions are really easy, at the, and they're all so pivotal. Um, and I don't even see them anymore. Oh, oh great. Um, Anyway, Father, we just stand together as a family, Father, and just wrap the Cunninghams in our arms, Father God, because you do that, Lord, and, and, and we're to do what you do, Father, and we just ask, Lord, for your coverage over them, that, that the decisions they need to make this week, Father God, in, in regard to where he goes or the medicine or the, the whatever he needs to do, Father, we just declare wisdom and strategy, insight. Father, and we declare your love over them. And especially the um, uh, Natasha and Todd, Father, I pray for a united front. Father, in their marriage, in the kids, Father, that, that this is some pivotal time right now that, that even for her to spend with her dad, Father God, just to speak to her and family, Lord. We ask your blessing upon them. And this morning, Lord, we receive from you Father, I pray that each one of us here walks away with a gift. That each of us walks away knowing that they heard the word and know what to do with it, Lord. And we just declare your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Man, thanks for coming today. I was expecting like 20 people because it's 4th of July weekend and half of them being my family. Half is still my family, but it's, it's, it's overwhelming just to see everybody come and my brother come. And, and um, the only person that's missing is, is Brooklyn, who's, you know, in, in Oregon, and she's working and all that kind of stuff. But I brought her along. So she's, she's here. So my whole family's with me today. So say hi to Brooklyn. Um, thanks again. Uh, where are the Ames? Thanks for leading worship today. That was awesome. Everybody that's set up today, thank you for doing that. It's just not an easy task. And Courtney, I give you props, even though Tyson did, for doing that. And I think it, it was better than passing out the words and all that kind of stuff and shuffling paper and all that. And where's Mary? Mary, she sent me a card this week. 
You're a rock star. Thank you. She's an encourager. Yes, very much so. Well, this morning, um, you know, when you when you get this word, this word's been kind of brewing in me for a couple of months and probably longer, but um, you, you just want to get it out. So when you're worshiping and all that, it's like, oh, let's just get to the word. It's... It's kind of like when you're packing or getting ready to go somewhere or you have a wedding and you're doing all this planning. It's like, as soon as you get there, who cares now? <laughs> you're there. It's whether you're ready or not. Hopefully I'm ready. But watch that. Um, but the word I want to uh, give to you today is, is uh, I, wanna, I, I hope it's a testimonial word, meaning one that spurs testimonies in people um, in each one of us here. Uh, it's a real practical word, um, and I, I, if you take notes, I hope you, I don't want you to take notes of what I'm saying as much as what God's saying to you. And I'm praying that He's giving you some strategies and some insights and and things. So that's what I want you to do is is just to to write those things that He's saying. This is for you. It's that gift. Okay, I, I I'm, I'm praying that that happens. The word I'm bringing today, uh, I entitled it, it Attractive Christianity. Attractive Christianity. And I always think it's funny when somebody has a subtitle, but I had a subtitle. It's 98%. And you're not going to understand that yet, but 98%. Um, and my, my verse uh, that I'm coming from is Romans 12.2. It says, and this is from New American Standard, uh, Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I, I decided to dedicate this word to Mr. Dennis Trout. Um, and preface that to say is, I have, the, I have the greatest father in the world. Mike and my, my dad is in, uh, our hero. And he even showed himself a hero in these last two years of my, my mom's life, even more so, we would say. Um, but Dennis came into my life about 28 years ago, 29 years ago. And he was a second father to me. And that's how I, that's why I, I tell people about Dennis. I said he's a friend that was like a second father to me. And he spoke into my life. And, um, and I think this word is probably from years of just fussing with him. Not fussing with him, but with him about this word, about what it means to be an attractive Christian and, and being out there in the world. Um, and he, I am not, it, it's, it's because of him that I'm the man that I am, the husband that I am. And the father that I am to my kids. That kept the tears from flowing. I had to laugh. Um, but if not for him, you know, still go on being a man and all that kind of stuff. But the things that he did in my life and in my heart, uh, and and he he fussed with that word about, you know, that whole thing about speaking from the grave. He absolutely is always, and and I don't even want to say from the grave. It's it's uh, Eric was talking about heaven, and heaven's not out there, but it's out here. You know, and he's speaking from heaven. I mean, we get to hear that every week when Eric gets up here. But he's still speaking, and and that was something. I'm a marked man. I'm forever marked, and I can look at a lot of you, but specifically Dean and Glenn, I know. Um, but my sons are marked because of that man. 
My family's marked because of that man. And we're forever changed because of Dennis. And, of course, you think of the title, Attractive Christianity, and your mind's off on how attractive Dennis was, huh? (laughs) Oh. Anyway, less than 2% of our lives is spent inside these four walls. Now you've got to figure out, wait, 100 minus 2, 98%. Less than 2% of our lives is spent in these four walls. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to um, uh, minimize it because it's very important. Those two, that 2% is very important. I see that 2% as, and I don't, if you've heard this analogy before, I probably stole it. Nothing's original, right? Uh, but I, I see going to church is kind of like going to the eye doctor. How many people have gone to the eye doctor before? Very many. Some people might not have. But you go to the eye doctor and, you know, maybe for the first time you're going to the eye doctor and you need glasses, you need lenses, you need a new perspective. And all of a sudden you walk out after that appointment and go, oh my word, that's what my life looks like. Woo! Um, But you go to the eye doctor and sometimes you have to go back to the eye doctor. And, and what, what happens when you go to the eye doctor? Some people haven't gone to the eye doctor. They have those, you know, that big machine that they put that thing in front of you. And it always bothers me because they're so quick because they have this little dial. Some people don't know this, but they have this dial and they go one or two. And it's like, wait, let me see one again. One or two. You go two, three or four, four, five or six. It's like, ha. Ah. It's scary. It's like, well, maybe it was five. And you have to keep going back and forth. I'm sure that happens all the time. But I, I think a lot of times we think we come to church and we get this new perspective. I, don't, I think we have the right perspective. It's just that we need a sharper, clearer focus of that perspective. And that's what I think church is for. And that's what I think um, coming to uh, or, or spending time with the Lord in the morning is for. You know, getting that clearer, sharper focus on what you're to do that day. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a renewal. Okay, that's, what, that's what's important about Sunday. And, and even though there's not much time here, this is a time to really be transformed in our mind to know what the will of God is. Uh, back to, sorry, back to Dennis. It, even that's that's why I wanted to bring him up. Even in the midst of his last days, he was attractive. He he was proving, not that we believed in our flesh that what was going on was good, acceptable, perfect. We didn't see it that maybe we didn't see it at that time that way. But man, that guy, even to his dying days, was uh, attracting people because of the presence of the Lord in him. So, we have this other 90, 98% of our lives. How do we lead that 98%? That's really... God cares about all, but, you know, to a degree, that 98% is huge. It's huge. This Bible is filled with common people that did uncommon things, which made them uncommon. And that's what he's calling us to, is to be uncommon. Uncommon. What does that mean, to be uncommon? 
He wants us to, uh, he doesn't want us to be a common father or a common mother. He wants us to be uncommon. He wants us to be an uncommon parent. He wants us to be an uncommon friend. He wants us to be an uncommon co-worker. Woohoo, tomorrow's Monday. What does that mean to be uncommon? I think Tyson brought up the fact that I've taught for 28 years and I was kind of figuring in my head, I've gone through, I think I'm in the midst of a third generation of students, meaning when I first started teaching, um, it's always the same, pretty much the same ages, but the, the parents of those student, students has changed from that first generation that were, those parents were older than me to parents that were my age and now it's parents that are younger than me. I've had some students that I taught their parent and now I'm, <laughs> it's coming through. And in that, in that stage, I've really seen a change in students, in their behavior, and more than likely change in the parenting that's going on. And it's not so much I want to go into parenting and all that, but I'm, th- I'm thinking nowadays it doesn't take much to be uncommon. The, the, the common of the day way back is becoming the uncommon today. So to be able to stand out is a lot different than it used to be. This, uh, sorry, I got to embarrass her. This, this word is inspired by my wife. This one right here, beautiful one. It's inspired by my wife because she was uncommon from day one when I met her. She came into the store. You'll have to hear more of the story later. I, won't, I don't have time to tell it here. But it's a great story, and it's a miracle that she even came in to the store that I work because we were a kind of a, a wholesale warehouse, sporting goods. You know, I sold the schools and stuff. But nobody just comes in the door to buy sporting goods except this woman. So, and again, I'm not going to go into detail other than the fact that as I got to know her, there was this, and she was only, I think, 19 at the time, or barely 19. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> um, but when she came through the door, not when she came through the door, but as I got to know her, um, there was something uncommon about her. There's this, you know, she was beautiful and attractive and all that, of course. Good job, parents. <laughs> but even a better job in the fact of there was something to the level of depth that she had. There was a depth of her that was, that was like, I want to know her even more. There's something about her and her family. And, you know, her brother Lauren's not here today. But, but there was something about that that really spoke to me that I wanted to get more of. And it was something that was uncommon. And, and to this day, those of you who know Linda know that there's this depth of her. She hates surfacey relationships. <laughs> right, Jen? Right, Court? <laughs> Anybody else in here? She doesn't like surfacey. She gets, she gets in there and she loves the depth of relationship. She, you know, has an opportunity at the tea house. You guys have an opportunity at the tea house to get into people's lives and be this thing that's like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that experience. So, and, and, and that's something that Linda and I have been fussing about and just thinking about and talking about. And, and the fact is, attractive Christianity. Let's, speaking of attractive, let's look at uh, Matthew five fourteen through 16. Because this is what, what it says about being attractive. This is a familiar scripture. 
You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So I wanted to talk about being light. Um, there's different lights, I think, when we, we know of people that, that know the Lord and stuff. There's, there's different lights that, that you can kind of come away with people. And there's, the first light is the one that's, you know, under a lampstand. You know, you know it's there, but it's under a lampstand. But, you know, hide it under a bushel. Oh, gosh. Hide it under a bushel? No. There we go. Those, those, I think the people that I've seen are, or even students that I know were Christians, but they really, they were conforming to this world. When you conform to this world, you're like that light that's under a bushel. You need to let it shine. And, and those are those people that are probably a little uncomfortable with their relationship with the Lord. Um, I don't want to go too much into detail there. Second light I think about is a lighthouse. And I got to be careful with this one because my brother proposed to Janie at a lighthouse. But a lighthouse is really, it's, they're really cool. But when you're, in a, you're on a ship, you know, and you see a lighthouse, what is the lighthouse telling you? It's danger. Stay away. You know, and, and some of us may know some Christians that might be that way. It's like, oh, stay away from that person. So that, that's the kind of light you don't want to be. You don't want to be a lighthouse. As attractive as it may be, it's like, keep your distance. Then there's that other light that's uh, out on your porch. Maybe some people have it on their deck, and it's really attractive until you get too close to it and you're a bug whoa, this is really, you know, it's a bug zapper. I don't know what you call those things. I just call them a bug zapper. But it's like, you may know some people that might be like that too. You get close and all of a sudden you get to know them. Oh, gosh. So I don't want to talk about that. But what I, 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 think, the, I think the light and the, the, the flame I think about is a fire and what fire has to do. Of course, we could go the direction of, oh, it can burn you. But a fire, when you think about whether it's family camp, another promo on family camp but when people have campfires it's a gathering place it's a place of warmth it's a place of security it's a place of um intimacy it's a place where you just you you feel like you can be vulnerable there but but it's that safe secure place and i think that's the light that god's calling us to be that soft landing space and you know what? Fire can mark you. But like I said about Pastor Dennis, he marked me. But that was a good marking. And, and that's what we want to do is we want to mark people's lives. We don't want to burn people. But we want to mark people's lives. We want to mark people's lives. And that's what we have to ask ourselves. We need to ask ourselves what kind of light we are. And I was listening to a, a message, I think it was just yesterday, from PT. PT is Pastor Dennis. Um, he said, uh, he said this, he said, we need to strive to unify our lives. And what he meant by that is that we're the same person wherever we are. It was very important because it's kind of like, okay, are you, and once again, I think about that 2% we're in here. You know, we can look good for a 2%. 
we could probably even look good for five percent you know oh shoot church is going overtime i gotta i gotta look but but it's that a hundred percent of our lives should be striving for that unity that the sameness whether we're here whether we're at work whether we're at um wherever we are active at home okay hopefully our wives see the same thing at home that they do everywhere else and our families and our kids Here are some attractive qualities. I want to bring up some attractive qualities just to help you out. Hopefully this will be helpful to you. Uh, in Psalm 118.24, it says, This day belongs to the Lord. Let's celebrate and be glad today. Joy is what I get out of that. Joy. First of all, how often should we be joyful? It says, This day belongs to the Lord. Let's celebrate and be glad today. So, oh, <laughs> Every day belongs to the Lord. I got to be joyful every day. What are you like at work? Is there a difference between Friday joy and Monday joy? Are you known for... We, we talked about that before as far as we're atmosphere... We should be atmosphere, atmosphere creators. You are whether you know it or not. It's just what kind of atmosphere you're creating. So, so what kind of atmosphere do you create? There's, uh, I know in, in um, our offices, actually, Larissa's here. If you don't know Larissa, she's awesome. But uh, I work with her mom. She's the, uh, the office manager, thank you, at, at the school. And it's really important to me that, that it's important that my, I create an atmosphere or help create an atmosphere that hopefully wherever I go, there's some kind of joy or some kind of joy is a, is a huge word to me because it's not happy yes you could be happy and joyful but happy is circumstantial joy is not joy it doesn't matter what's going on okay it doesn't matter what's going on and that's really hard sometimes because there's some things that are really cruddy going on but we got to maintain that joy so joy is something that's not common in this world Joy is not common, especially on a Monday. You guys probably realize that. Monday at work, ooh. Um, but it produces encouragement in people. It's a, it gives strength, so it strengthens people. And really, joy produces more joy. It's just, it's just a reproductive type of quality. Second one, in Philippians 2, 5, 8, um, I'm going to talk about selflessness. That's the, the quality. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but uh, in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, I'm just going to pick out a couple of things. It says, think of yourselves, this is from the message, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. And it goes on to say how he had equal status with God, but he didn't think so much of himself. But it says in here, having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. Selflessness is others-focused. You're, you're focusing on others. When You know, Mary, when you did that, I mean, I'm still going back to that. Sorry to embarrass you. But, but you know, writing an encouraging word to somebody or um, a lot of times I think about how I communicate with people. Am I dominating the conversation or am I drawing out the conversation? 
Am I the main talker or the main focus of the conversation? Or that's that's a that's a quality. That's a um, that's something that you, sometimes you need to practice because sometimes you get you know somebody can ask you a question. It's like Ugh. we used to call it um, uh, conversation basketball. This I got from uh, Pastor Andrews, Robert Andrews, and his, her his uh, daughter Rama. Um, not my Rama, but but his daughter Rama was. Uh, she was very chatty and he was a basketball coach and she was a player and he used to tell her to pass because she she'd be in the car with her friends and just chatting 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 and and uh uh, robert would you know dad would turn to the back and go pass pass the ball pass the ball she totally knew what that meant oh i've been hogging the ball i've been hogging the conversation (laughs) But selflessness is laying your life down and really being others-focused, which, gosh, I need to be reminded all the time. You can get in those things, focus, I've got to do this, i got this list, i got to get this done, this done, this done. I don't have time for you. And all of a sudden you go, man, am I living Christ? Uh, the last one I have is um, attractive qualities, joy, selflessness, and gratefulness. In Psalms 100, verse 4, it says, Go through his open gates with great thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. I always heard this in, in regard to worship or, or even coming to the Lord in, in the morning, is thanking the Lord. Because that's what it says. Enter his courts with praise. Where do we want it? We want to come to his throne room. We want to see him. We want to, we want to, we want to spend time with him. How do we get there? Wow, it says here, with thankfulness. Um, I, uh, this was a gift. I, I love teaching kids, and I get so much, and it was such a gift being a school teacher and then having my kids born and kind of going. I, I made sure, Linda and I made sure we never, when we had kids, you know, kids in school that were naughty or doing the wrong thing or troublemakers and things like that, we would never say never. We n- don't ever, I'm just telling you now, don't ever say, my kid's never going to be like them. Because guess what? That'll happen. So we didn't say that. But we did see, I really evaluated, I really evaluated different kids and their character qualities and go, man, I, it's like, we don't want to go through this solo and new and create something new. It's like, so about 20, I'd say 20, ooh, no, it was about 20 years ago. So Davis wasn't even born, or he was about born. I think it was, uh, it doesn't matter when, 18 to 20 years ago. So my kids were young at the time. There was a girl on my basketball team, Lisa Andrews. I still remember the name because of the impact that she had. But after every game, win or lose. Now, nowadays, you kind of see this more often because coaches have their teams do this. I didn't have my teams do this at the time. Nobody did this. But after every game, she would go up to the referee and say, thank you. Didn't matter whether she had a good game, bad game. Doesn't matter whether we won or lost. She'd look him in the eye, and I was like, that's something there. That's something that we want to reproduce in people. It's like, yes, that, that was huge. That was, it was uncommon. It just didn't. And even nowadays when coaches have their kids do it, there's... That's good. I'm not saying it's bad, but there's sometimes it's lost a sincerity. There's a sincerity there. So Linda and I kind of, we one-upped it a little bit in the fact that 
We started having our kids do that with their coaches after every practice in game. They started doing that and um, just thank their coach. You know, most times, except for maybe high school, most times the coaches were volunteers. They didn't, you know, they, they were just volunteers. They didn't, you know, and, and they don't hear that. And it's amazing in the world, you know, some, you know, 10-year-old, you know, 10-year-old boy or girl, because the girls did it too, going up to their coach, thank you, coach, very much. Look them in the eye and all that kind of stuff. It was so, it was so rare it spoke to people. So, and that's just that, that heart of gratefulness. I mean, that's just a, a portion. But gratefulness, being able to be grateful for people doing things, normal, everyday jobs that they don't get any thanks for. It's like, you, you say those kind of things, and it's like, they're noticed. It's, you know, it's being able to tell people that you're proud of them. That's, that's part of that gratefulness, too. Man, thank you so much for doing that. Dean and Glenn, thank you so much for opening church this morning. I thought I was going to have to get up that early. <laughs> Although I was up that early, but uh, anyway. But Romans 12, too. Here's the thing that, that I really, this is why I like the New American Standard Version, was it, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's the key part in in new american standard it doesn't say it in other ones but it, it, it but it says so that you may prove what the will of god is in fact i didn't even notice it until you said it this morning it was the, the doer of the word it said something about so that you may prove it had proven there too prove there there's something that that is is we're to prove what the will of god is that which is good acceptable and perfect and we have to do it by way of Christ, of course. But, but these are really practical things. I think that uh, uh, Linda and I have started, I don't know why I'm picking this up, but I just saw it. So, uh, Linda and I started to have a, a new goal in life. Excuse me. Um, and that is going out and making people's day. pretty simple and and this is what and and this is what we set out to do we we went to a bank she could probably tell you some other stories but and this is really current so it's just it's brewing in me and it's like it it doesn't take much we went to the bank one day and there's a um a guard you know how they have some guards out there just going outside the bank just started chatting with him just started chatting with him and asking him about his job and what he sees and things like that and just telling him he have a good day. Linda's she's she's a pro at this with people at stores or I mean she's just basically I think God wants us to be in the customer service business. <laughs> Especially when people aren't expecting it. It's like it's so cool. Uh, and I Um, here, let me read this. Uh, I'm going to simplify it. In 1 John 5, 10 through 12, but I'm just going to read this one statement. It says, He who has the Son has the life. In John 1, 3 through 5, a section in there says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We have the life of Christ in us. 
So I'm saying all that to say is I think we need to look at the term leading somebody to the Lord a little differently. I don't want to minimize the the I don't want to minimize um, praying the sinner's prayer and all that. That's huge leading somebody. But I think that we've gotten so wrapped up in that leading somebody to the Lord is that that we miss the fact that the Lord is in us. And when we just greet somebody or talk to somebody, we led people to the Lord today. That should be our daily, our daily goal and our daily task that we can lead people. If we're talking to people, we're leading them to the Lord. Um, you were fussing this week. We were talking about how people pray. What was that that we pray? Yeah, about needing more of the Lord or... Yeah, but I was talking about the prayer about I need more of Jesus or I need, you know, like he's out there, but he's in here. It's that it's that going to the eye doctor and clearing out, you know, and being able to see a little bit better the fact I got. So when we cry out to the Lord, it's not like, oh, I need you, Lord, come down. It's like, no, help me to see more of the Lord in me and that we can lead people to the Lord every day that's exciting to me and all of a sudden it's a breath of fresh air as far as going oh man i didn't lead anybody to the lord this week or you know this whole thing about saving souls and all that kind of stuff no they'll god does that but if we're available but i think it leading people to the lord um i'm cutting out some of this stuff actually lynn you want to come up here right now I just want to say one 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 last thing because I, I cut out a lot of my stuff, but but I didn't. Um, in 19, it was about 1990. Um, it was about 1990 that uh, you know how you get revelation in different waves and stuff like that, but sometimes revelation just hits you. Back in 1990, I was I was smacked upside the head as the term goes, with revelation. I had just put, I think um, Tyson was three, I think, you'll remember this, and Levi was one. We only had two kids at the time. Just tucked them in the bed in our old house. And I was struck with the fact that God was saying, these are not your kids. They're my kids. Oh, my word. I was just, I was... We were undone because I knew what the prayer, the next prayer had to be. It was a, a letting go of my kids. And we weren't, we weren't, there wasn't anything at the time that made us think, oh no, you know, this, this or that. But, but in me, letting go of my kids, it was like, it was like God was asking me that maybe tomorrow he was going to take one of their lives or something. It was like, it was, it was this whole thing about letting go and, and our kids are not our own. It's like, Wait, maybe that's what he's saying to us now. <laughs> Personally, it's not just about our kids, it's about our own life. And he uh I I and and it was our kids are set apart, not sheltered. And that's the way we should be too. We're set apart and not to be sheltered. Um anyway, I had I just want to hand it over to my beautiful wife. Do you have anything to add? For once. 
That was awesome. Does this not work? That's what I love about you, babe, is that you're so practical. And I know you struggled with, is this too practical? And there's everything in us that cries, absolutely not. Because we, our job has to be to accurately represent Jesus. And that's what today was, is how are we representing Jesus and Thank you for leading us back to, um, leading us back to that. So I'll I'll just pray. That sounds good. Lord, thank you that um, you just want us to be like you. Really, that's that's what you're calling us today to do is to be like you, to represent you, to bring you to Jesus, to the lady at the bank, to the sign turner on the side of the road that we say hi how's your day father we bring jesus to them with every greeting with every question with every uh, encounter that we have we bring jesus yes, to people so father we say we're, we're willing to do that from a new perspective today we're willing to say uh, use us god use us to bring jesus to people yes. in our everyday lives father we will Uh, dedicate our lives to that, to uh, helping people encounter you. Father, we say uh, we're really honored to do that. We're really pleased to do that for you, God, because you're so great. You're so worthy, Father, of us uh, representing you accurately, Father. We bless you. We thank you for this word today, Father, and we will go out and do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody, for coming. I appreciate that.